Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Biomass. We are in episode 167. We got a pretty good show lined up for you here, so let's get started with some introductions, starting at the top of the list with Sarizel. I am Sarizel. As disappointing as always. All right, Bait, you're up. Hey, what's up, guys? My name is Bait, and uh, I am the reason the podcast is late. <laughs> Very late, because, yes. you know, I, I was playing a game before the podcast, too, but I, my match ended at, like... At, at right at the hour. See, I totally lost track of time as I was playing uh, two years ago's Rainbow Six. Well, at least you weren't sleeping through it this time. Because sometimes you do that. I, I do do that sometimes. So uh, how'd you die when you lost? I think I got like shot in the dick or something. Okay, usual stuff. All right, Jay, you're up. Hey, what's up? This is Jason. Uh, I'm also one of the co-hosts here on Biomast. And uh, 167, the only thing I can come up with, I think that's... Yeah, and it's either yeah, it's one sixty seven. That's the number of um, tennis titles that Martina Navratilova has, and I think I know it's a record for the women's. I think that's also the, like the all around like both men and women's record. I know it's the record for women. So, all right, good stuff. And I'm Pokey Draven. And I help host the show here, and I've been playing a lot of Fortnite this week, so we'll talk about that later. It's pretty good stuff. So let's get started with some uh, movies and stuff, movies and entertainment. So it sounds like John Wick. Um, you know, they've had two films so far, is actually kind of getting a cinematic universe. Uh, the universe. Yeah! Alright, Zell, tell us about this. Alright, so, um, yeah, so I, I guess there's this script called uh, Ballerina that is a uh, female assassin story, and Lionsgate uh, bought it, and, and they're like, well, I think we can, you know, we think we can tie this in to the John Wick universe and then and then kind of lo- and and they've already got a TV series coming as well. There was there was discussion about a, a show f- about the Continental Hotel. So, they're they're kind of setting up a, a a little bit already. I'm just always impressed by how how much this has exploded from what started as it was kind of like, "Oh, yeah, Keanu Reeves movie." Now it's multiple movies tv show extended universe you know it's it's all it's it's pretty cool well there's you know there's a few things we love here at biomast and and one of them's john wick and then there's you know deadpool and and that's that's really our, our thing so it's kind of cool that uh that john wick's kind of expanding but it, it it's funny because this is like the new thing is that everything has to be a cinematic universe it can't just be a set of sequels it's you know how do we how do we expand Can't just this? Be a movie. Yeah. Right, right. There's the there's the monster like there's like this TV monster franchise thing that that um is being started and like the mummy is supposed to be the first in in that uh, like cinematic universe. Um, they're talking about you know a, a Transformers cinematic universe because of course they are. You you know. Uh, why. I've actually been meaning to ask you, Zell. There's a John Wick VR game out there, isn't there? So I've bought it. I bought it uh, several months ago because it came out. Uh, it came out around the same time as John Wick Two, which was, I believe, back in March. Um, I have not had time to to try it because what? My, well, so I have. I, I have like it, it's a room scale required game. It's not like a game you can play in a chair or standing. Um, and I cluttered up my, my space for my room scale VR. Like I would pay an exorbitant amount of money to watch you in a suit with a VR glasses and like a little, like fake, like gun or whatever it is you got to hold in your, like the paddles you got to hold in your hand, like doing arm bars and like face shooting guys. And we could live stream that. 
Yeah, that's that's I, um, that's never going to happen. An incredible amount of money that I would put your way. That's never going to happen, Jay. Think of all the money we generate for the podcast, though, Zell. Yeah, Dude, no. we, we could put this up for charity. Like, no, we, um, we will get you a fitted suit, let you slip I, your hair back. Wait, 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 wait. I don't think I have a fitted suit. No, no, no but no. one that fits correctly. It does. <laughs> oh. I, oh, I have a, I have a tailored suit, sir. When was the last time you I wore it, though? Um, few Three years ago. ago. A few months ago. I, I'm just okay. telling you, your sense of a tailored suit and mine are probably going to be different. <laughs> Everybody tweets myself for that and make that happen. At OCD Trekkie. That's there it. you go. There, there you go. Uh, but yeah, no, that, that, that John Wick VR game looked really badass. Like I would, I would play the hell out of that if I had a, a VR headset because that looks, that looks pretty cool. So I, I would actually like to get your thoughts on this uh, once you do get around to playing because it, it does look neat. Yeah, I have a I have a pretty decent like VR backlist of things that I mean to try and, and review. And so there's going to be some point that I actually finally sit down and, and like pull out the headset with the new new head strap thing that I, I told you I, I hooked up last last week. Um, I just going to sit down and like just just go through them because you really don't spend that much time per VR game at a time anyways. It gets kind of tiring. But at some point, I just need to break it out and just go through. We'll have an episode where Zelda does the entire show and talks about VR games for an hour and a half. It'll be great. Okay, but yes, that's that's John Wick. Potentially getting an extended universe looks pretty cool. Um, but speaking of other movies, uh, I went and saw Spider-Man this week. Did anyone else get a chance to check it out? Or is it just me and Zell so far? Yeah, it's. I haven't seen it yet, but I think we're we're deep enough into the release. It's It's two weeks, more than yeah. two weeks. You can... You can we can go ahead and send this one out. I think everybody generally knows what's happening in the movie by now. Go ahead, spoil it for me, Pokey. Okay, you want to do this, all? Uh, it's up to you. Okay, we'll we'll do it. So we're entering spoiler territory for Spider-Man: Homecoming, then the newest one. Uh, you'll have to skip ahead. We can get a timestamp in the uh, in the video description if you want to kind of skip this. But uh, we'll kind of have a discussion on this one. So. Um, Kind of start at the beginning. Uh, the beginning of the film is absolutely fantastic, I think, because it really sets the tone of what kind of Peter Parker we're going to get um, compared to the other ones. And what you get is not so much the uh, socially awkward Peter Parker. It's more of the uh, kind of hyperactive 15-year-old teenager where he's a total geek um, and he's just kind of like excited about everything because, oh, my God, superheroes. Um, and it actually opens up with, uh, from his perspective, taking a video diary on his phone of the scene from uh, Captain America Civil War, where he's like waiting behind the box, like, oh my god, I'm going to go grab Captain America's shield, it's going to be great, you know. Um, I thought that was hilarious, a really good way to kind of set the tone of the character and go, this is kind of what you could expect from this this version of, of Spider-Man. I thought that was pretty good. Did you like that, Zell? Yeah, that was, that was funny. I, I, I was a little mystified how it's like... There, there. It seemed very like, um, how do I put this? So, like, Happy's like escorting to a hotel for this event. It's like, how much planning did this fight have? Like, it wasn't just people showed up to fight, but like, he had his his driver bring in a guy, put him put him up in a hotel for the night, get him. On. Like, it was it, it it actually it seemed really weird to me, but that but it was for the character. It was it was amusing. Yeah, I think it, it served a, it served its purpose well. Um, I thought the, vel- the villain was, was kind of interesting. I like how they went full circle with that one and kind of tied it in with the first Avengers film, um, him being kind of caught up in, in the cleanup from that and kind of getting screwed over. I thought that was, that was actually pretty decent, uh, motivation in terms of, uh, uh, the Vulture villain character. 
Actually, you know, I saw some some pretty good uh, lengthy clips. Of, I have not seen the movie in a movie theater, but I have seen a significant amount of the movie, uh, and uh, through inter- interesting magical means, you can find on the internet. But it's uh, I, I would have to say that Michael Keaton is probably the you know thirty forty minutes of the movie that I've seen is probably the best villain in, in the MCU that I've run into yet. He was re- I thought he was really really good. He was very believable. It was like, here's a guy who, you know, kind of got screwed over. Because just if you haven't seen it, um, basically he is, he owns a, a salvage company that, that that won a contract to basically pick up all of the remnants of the alien ships that were destroyed during the first Avengers film. Um, and then the government agency comes in and goes, you all have to leave. Um, we're seizing all these contracts and you're just, you're done. And it basically puts his business out of, he puts, puts him out of business. Like he owns his business. It's going under because he lost this huge contract. Um, and that kind of drives him to kind of enter this criminal underworld of, of stealing these you know, alien uh, tech components and making weapons and selling on the black market and that sort of thing. And that's kind of how he comes into possession of the, the, the uh, vulture suit, which is, is pretty, pretty cool. Um, but, yeah, very believable. He did a fantastic job acting. I, I felt like he wasn't overplaying it. He felt very believable. Like this is actually just a guy, you know, who was just trying to make ends meet, basically, and and – Doing it in a very terrifying way, but you know he felt very human, and I, I thought that was pretty good. Yeah, and and the thing that I, I liked, and this is this is really spoilerish because it's right at the end there, um, but he uh, it, his his comment to someone else in in prison asking for for the Spider Man's identity, um, I think that that moment really strongly put that it, you know he wasn't like this you know angry rage character, this just pure evil. You know, he was a very. I, I felt like he was a very practical villain. He he's like, you know, doing this for my family. You know, trying to protect what I've got. And once it once that's already gone, um, it, it just wasn't an issue to him. Well, and I think he he kind of values that. You know, he Spider Man could have let him die at the end of the film, and he didn't. He saved him, and so he's like, okay, I kind of owe the guy, so I'm gonna keep my mouth shut. And you know, that's that's fair. He saved my life. I'm gonna save his. And so I thought that was that was a pretty good characterization that he's not really this like evil guy. He's just like I'm protecting my family. I'm gonna you know make sure they're well taken care of, and you know I pay my debts. You know and that sort of thing. So that that was pretty good. He he was the most like relatable villain of any of them in, in that you know like I said he's got like a character arc. Like I saw the uh, you know, there's that clip. I guess he's taken to like to the prom or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that whole like little interrogation scene in the car, which is very reminiscent of what most dads would really do. You can see him like piecing it all together in his head. And uh, I th- correct me if I'm wrong. He says something to the effect of like, I'm not going to kill you because, you know, you know, you, you're pretty cool with my daughter, but like you got to get out of the Spider-Man business. And he's pretty he's like pretty just matter of fact about it. He's not he's not like, you know, evil Darth v- Vader, man. He's just like, look, you're. You seem like an alright kid. I don't want to kill you, so don't be Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because he he actually saves his daughter's life earlier in the film, and he's like, okay, I'm all about family. You saved my daughter. You know that's extremely important to me. So I'm gonna let you go, but you don't mess with me ever again. And you know we're we're we're, we're solid. And then, and then he looks at Peter and he goes, now I just saved your life. What do you say to me? And and. And Peter's like squirming in his seat because he's like, holy shit. And he's like, thank you, sir. He's like, that's a good boy. Now go show my, my daughter a good time at homecoming. It's like, okay. <laughs> like like ultimate dad talk like to 11 there. It was, it was a really tense, well done scene. It was just the, the interaction between those two characters was just fantastic. 
So um, another thing I, I kind of liked is that I felt like um, in some ways they were kind of trying to recreate some of the scenes from the previous Spider-Man films and then kind of flipping them over and making a bit of a joke. Uh, like, uh, is that like in the scene with the elevator where he's hanging upside down and Liz is talking to him and someone makes like, a comment about kiss, like about a kiss. So it, it's reminiscent That's, of, um, that was, you know. that was the, uh, uh, Karen, the, the robot. Right, right. He's, he's like, yeah, you, you want to kiss her? And so it, it's exactly like the same kind of setup from uh, the first Spider-Man film when, you know, he saves MJ and he's hanging upside down in the rain and she pulls the, the mask down and he kisses him. Except that what this Peter Parker's hanging from, like, gives way at, like, the worst moment and he just goes tumbling down the elevator shafts, getting his ass kicked. <laughs> totally breaks the, the the mood. It was it was hilarious. I laughed my, my ass off on that one. That was pretty good. But there's there's lots of other um, moments like that where you can tell they were kind of doing a callback and kind of making fun of the previous films. And it was it was really well done. And I I, I really enjoyed the uh, the just to to bring back up is Karen the uh, the the Jarvis that uh, Tony Stark put put in uh, the Spider-Man suit was really amusing. You could, you could tell there was uh there was a, a very Tony Starkish personality there where he's just, you know, for fun. Hey, you, you guys are tracking that the, uh, the voice of Karen is the wife of Paul Bettany. I no, did not know that. Really? Yeah, but that <laughs> that's awesome. That's, <laughs> that's great. great. No, the Karen, the Karen character is pretty good. I, I particularly like the scene when they're stuck in the deep storage and it's this big long montage and he's like he's like oh man okay he's hanging out you, you think he's been there for like 10 hours and he goes like so how long have we been here karen she's like 37 minutes like what you know he's like we gotta get out of here I've been, it feels like forever um just kind of playing up again he's just this really hyperactive you know 14 year old kid um you know but on that note i i was worried that um, with this rendition, it was going to be kind of annoying, like he was going to overplay it. But honestly, I think they really... It, he was very believable in being kind of a dorky teenager, but not to a point where you're like, oh my god, shut up. Like, you're, you're trying too hard here. Um, the actor did an absolutely fantastic job, I think. I thought that was really well done as well. And on that note, um, I, they, they kind of mixed up um, a bunch of characters. They, they kind of remixed them, I guess we'll say. Uh, like, for example, like... Um, Flash is actually on like the academic decathlon. He's not the smartest one on the team, but he's not a total idiot. Um, but he's still, you know, a total dick to Peter the entire time. But the biggest one, which you do actually don't find out until the very end, because the character is actually her name is Michelle, I think. Is that right, Zell? Yeah. Okay. So you, you find this character's name is Michelle, and she's kind of this really snarky, dry humor, always sarcastic, very, very funny. Some of the best lines in the in the, the film are from her, I think. <laughs> Um, and through various plot reasons, uh, they need to replace the captain of the academic decathlon team, which Peter is on. And they said, well, what about Michelle? You know, I'm, I'm going to nominate her because she's, you know, she's really good. And she goes, well, actually, my friends just call me MJ. And so this is the MJ character, but it is very, very different than like the current student. Dunst, I, um, I thought I, there was a there was a tweet that came out or, or some kind of clarification that that wasn't necessarily Mary Jane Watson. Really, that, I, I I swear that I heard that because I I caught that I assumed that MG I assumed that she was going to be in in the movie at some point, but there was some back and forth that I saw on Twitter, um, like from the from the producer that was that, that sort of led you to believe that that may or may not have been like MJ and like the MJ from mm. like Mary Jane Watson. I'm not I'm not entirely okay. sure, uh, and I would like to point out that it's it's kind of interesting with the 
the casting of Flash Thompson, which I thought was, you know, I thought I thought that was kind of unique, but it does do some weird things because they are making a Venom movie uh, that has Tom Hardy as Venom. So there's two very distinct Venoms, and one of one of them is Eddie Brock, who is sort of he's like kind of a low life criminal, like low lower level criminal guy that. Um, he was got Topher Grace, Grace played as a reporter. I don't think he was a reporter though in the in the in the comics, but he just he's kind of a nobody, uh, like street level guy, and he gets the Venom uh, symbiote on him. He becomes Venom, right? That's like the that's the classic Venom is Eddie Brock. But later, uh, the Venom symbiote is given to Flash Thompson. So Flash Thompson graduates high school after he tortures Peter for a while, and actually they become in the comic books very good friends over time. And, uh, so he, he departs and goes to war, you know, very, you know, like really solid, mil- you know, military career and then gets, loses both his legs. So the government puts the Venom symbiote on him like a super soldier style and they make agent Venom, uh, who, and that is the flash Thompson Venom. So it, it's kind of interesting how they're doing this. Cause it sounds like they're going to make the, uh, Tom Hardy Venom sound more like what happened to flash Thompson's character in the in the comics versus you know the little pudgy indian kid that's uh you know flash in this one yeah yeah that was and there, there's a couple other examples of where they've they've changed some things around it does kind of raise some interesting questions um, i hadn't heard about the whole mj thing and i just kind of assumed that that was meant to be you know the mj because they they make it a point to never mention it until like the last scene of the film um but that would be a really weird choice, I think, to kind of give that sort of a reveal and then go, oh, yeah, but it's not actually the one you're thinking of. Um, so that's that's kind of weird. But uh, we'll have to see where they take that one. But her character is, like, like spot on. Like, I just she, I love how sarcastic she took, and dry she took every she scene she was in. She took every yeah. scene she was in. I actually thought for a while I was like, because she she kind of shows up in weird places where you're like what what are you what are you doing here like for in one of the scenes Peter gets detention and she's in the detention room with him for no reason other than she she doesn't have detention she's like I just sit in here and and draw people she she um, likes to draw people in like a state of despair and then she's yeah. like look here's you <laughs> um and so I'm, I, at first I was thinking like is she like a shield agent who's keeping an eye on him or something um. But I, I, I guess that could possibly be true. I'm not sure. Um, but either that or she's actually just kind of stalking him because she's got a thing for Peter and, you know, that's what she does. So either or um, should be interesting. I, I do want to see a lot more of her because she is she is pretty good. Uh, what else is there? Um, well, there, there's the after credit scene. Um, that was that one. That was great. That was the most. Okay. I, I don't want. I I really don't want to ruin that. Even don't want to ruin that one. For okay. even for, even though we did spoilers here, I really don't want to ruin it. But it's so very meta, and I love it for that reason. It's it's yeah. the, it's the most meta after credit scene they've ever done. I will say it's unique. It's very unique um, in a lot of ways. So do wait until the very end of the credits. Like sit in that theater until the lights turn on, but wait for the very end um and you'll you'll understand um but the, the the one the one part that i will reveal is that uh they, they do say spider-man will return so they're they're going to do another one you know big surprise but uh you know we'll, we'll see more of it and, and honestly the, the film is really quite good um i'd be glad to go see another one so probably pretty good recommendation for me on that one what do you think Zell? oh yeah excellent and yeah um and actually and it, this was one of those things that was just kind of an afterthought but there's really like um you know, I, I 
was asked by my parents, and and this happens occasionally. It's like you know, can can my little sister see this or whatever? This is honestly the most child friendly uh, Marvel movie I've ever seen. There is really almost nothing that wouldn't be like. It was almost surprising to see it as PG thirteen. Yeah, now that you now that you say it, it's um yeah. There's, there's like hardly any actual blood or anything. Now that I think about it, like no one really gets beat up that bad. Like it's pretty it's pretty low key. Okay, yeah, no, that's that's a fair point. Yeah, it is it is probably pretty 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 child friendly. That is that is a very good point. So you know, if you're concerned um, and you know don't want a Deadpool experience, then this will probably be pretty safe for you for, for you and your kids. Punky, it's a Mar- it's a movie produced by Marvel. Of course, it's going to be okay for our children. Oh, I saw I saw so many parents come in to see Deadpool and then walk before it, it started. Like everyone in the audience is like. Uh, you know, you you can do what you want with your kids, but I'm just letting you know this is not for a ten year old like at all. And you, you saw a lot of people walking out of there with with kids after they they had taken their seats um, when they went and saw Deadpool. All right, so I think we've covered that one pretty well. Let's move along to some more gaming related stuff. Um, real quick, uh, Destiny 2 beta for PC has been announced. It's starting August 28th. Uh, it's the 29th if you do not pre-order it. So. It's still a ways off, but, uh, you know, within the month, you can give Destiny 2 a shot on PC. I'll probably give it a download just to see how it runs. Um, I intend to play it on PS4 anyways, but I do kind of want to see what it looks like and how it plays on PC. So that should be good to, good to check out. And that one's actually... Zell, I think you mentioned... Is that is that going through the the uh, Blizzard launcher? I it is. About that. It is. They actually... Um, so the Blizzard launcher used to be kind of like it had five big icon tabs for the five Blizzard games. And they recently actually switched the launcher to more of a list view on the left side. So um, there, there's a lot of space now to add additional games. So I'm not sure if they're going to, you know, throw the Destiny um, logo up there on the Blizzard launcher by default like they do with... Like with Blizzard games, all the icons are there even if you don't own them. Um, but I almost wonder if it'll, it'll if they'll just add it straight up to the launcher, or if it'll be like once you activate the game, it adds it to the launcher, or something like that. We'll see. Um, but it is supposed to be uh, through the Blizzard launcher. Um, the beta, as as you said, was uh, August twenty eighth, August 29th, If you didn't pre order it, um, I will probably uh, try it when when I can try it without buying it and see what it's like. But I don't know. Yeah, give it a shot. Uh, they also released the specs for the PC um, for for what you should be and what the minimum is. So recommended specs for Destiny 2 on PC. Uh, for your CPU, you want either an Intel Core i5-2400 or an AMD uh, Ryzen R5-1600X. Uh, GPU could be NVIDIA GeForce GTX 970 or an AMD Radeon R9-390. And they recommend 8 gigs of RAM. Uh, as for minimum specs, you uh, CPU, so, so this is the minimum for like minimum setting you actually want it to run properly, Intel Core i3, uh, 3250, or an AMD FX 4350. Uh, GPU is an, is an bleh, NVIDIA GeForce GTX 660 or Radeon HD 7850 and uh, 6 gigs of RAM. So it's not going to run on a potato, but it's not too bad if you've got you know, a, a fairly low-end gaming PC, so you should be able to manage that. Yeah, this this is really uh, not super demanding. Um, I mean, it's actually, it, you know, my graphics card hits the rec- the b- bottom of the recommended bar, because it's, you know, it's a couple years old now, but it's really, um, e- even the recommended specs are really basic for a gaming PC. Yeah, I'm kind of curious on this one, because I think for uh, the PS4 and Xbox, even if you have the Pro version or the Scorpio version, if that ever comes out for this, um, 
I think the frame rate's locked at 30. That's just that's what it is. Uh, I'm curious if the PC will go higher than that, or if it's going to be locked at 30. Because I know a lot of PC players are extremely. Uh, that's a really important thing for them is that you get that 60 frames per second. I'm not sure if that will be supported or not. We'll have to see. Laugh so goddamn hard if it's locked at 30 on PC. The rage will be. It's absurd. Gonna be so fun. So fun. Bait and I are always uh, talking with people on the the Dust Discord channel about frame rate, and Cat Merc is always freaking out that everything has to be 144 frames a second or he won't play it. Um, so you know it'll, it'll be. What the fuck is he using? Like a NASA computer? I don't know. He like presses his eyeballs to the screen and counts the frames or something. Who the hell knows? But uh, I, like yeah. I can't even tell. Like a friend of mine, we went to see Dunkirk. It's horrible. I thought it was boring. Don't watch it. But oh. it. But, you um, have no anyways, taste, good fake sir. News, um, fake news. <laughs> anyways, uh, he was complaining about the frame rate in a couple of scenes, oh, and I'm God. like, because it's 24 frames per second. I'm like, that's dude, standard, dude. I I think well, yeah, but I mean, he said it was really noticeable in certain parts of this film, and I'm like, I can't notice. You could probably do 15 frames, I wouldn't notice. But yeah, you know, it's some people. That's a really big big observation he was saying he wished more people did like the high frame rate like uh the hobbit movies had a 48 frames per second offering um but i i can't tell my vision isn't that good i can tell but honestly 30 frames is is more than sufficient you can play a game and i can get full enjoyment out of it does 60 look better to me yeah a little bit but i'm not gonna like have a gaming experience ruined by me if i can't hit 60 frames a second if i can float a little above 30 then i'm fine you know um i'm not super anal about it but i know some people are like that is like the absolute most important thing and they they're freaking out if they can't have a full 60 i'm like dude did you ever play a freaking nes before like like we've come a long way and everyone ate that shit up before we had you know crazy you know high refresh rate monitors and stuff like that it's like just just chill out relax 30 30 is fine if you can hit 60 great but don't don't be crazy about it but anyways, there's other uh, Destiny 2 information popped up. Uh, so a new pre-order bonus. I don't think this is exclusive to any particular outlet. I think if you pre-order the game, no matter where it is, you get access to it. This is the Cold Heart Exotic Trace Rifle. Uh, Trace Rifle is a new weapon type in the game. This is the only one that's going to be available. And it's basically like a beam weapon, right? Like It's just like a continuous beam of damage, just damage over time. Uh, apparently it's got like really high recoil. Um, it's hard to use, but if you can actually like hold it on the mar- on the point, it does like a shitload of damage. So should be interesting to see. It's going to be like an energy weapon, so it's like an ice, uh, you know, ice damage or something like that. It might slow enemies. Who knows? Uh, but there is a pretty funny trailer out there set to um, you know vanilla ice. It, it's it's a pretty pretty amusing trailer. You should check it out. For the record, the dance moves in the trailer were direct lift from the uh, uh, the ice ice baby. Music oh really? Video. Yep. Really? I gotta <laughs> check that out. <laughs> Yeah, no, that was it was really well done. It's a pretty funny video. So, um, and again, that is available only if you pre-order the game. It will begin to drop uh, normally in the game, but not until December of 2017. So, if you don't pre-order and you want to have a chance of getting it, you're going to have to wait a few months. Um, but if you pre-order, I think they just give it to you. So that's the best way to guarantee to get it if you are interested in it. Okay, so we're going to move along to uh, a thing we do every few weeks where Zell talks about all the money he spent on virtual reality. So, Zell, why don't you take it away? This is just just news. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't, you're you're, you're going to buy didn't, it, though. I didn't you're buy anything. Buy it, oh, will, I, I will. When I can. It's not. It's PlayStation VR exclusive, at least initially. 
Um, so the uh, the big announcement is that uh, Spark, which is CCP's VR sports game, they like to call a V-sport as if they were inventing a new genre because they feel like doing so. Um, it comes out on August 29th, exclusive to uh, PSVR, um, for uh, 30 bucks, which is uh, more than worth it. Um, I highly recommend anyone who has a VR headset and can get Spark to get Spark because I played a prototype that was very unpolished uh, like three years ago, and it was amazing. And now they actually tried to make a real game out of it, so it's going to almost certainly be more amazing. Um, I'm super excited about it. I'm going to be really, really agitated if it takes forever to uh, be available on PC. Um, but uh, there it is. Um, so August 29th, Spark, CCP Games, PlayStation VR. Done. Yeah. That one looks that one looks really good. Um, I think that one will do pretty well. I think that it, the the big issue with VR is always the lack of content. And I think this one provides a pretty unique uh, a pretty unique use of the hardware. Um, and the price point's real good. Like that's that's really good um, for for a game that's that's probably pretty fun. It's not something you're going to play for twelve hours straight, but you know it's good for a few pickup games. It's great for party games. So I think it'll do quite well. Um, not too surprised about the exclusive though. I mean that's that's kind of CCB's mo lately with these things. So yeah, you'll they, probably they, see it in six months or a year. You know, for other platforms, they pick an exclusive for every game. It seems like these days. Um, and uh, just speaking of PlayStation VR, I think I mentioned it uh, to you guys already, but I just I just found it really amusing. Um, about a week ago, I was watching a, I watch a show called Dark Matter on Sci-Fi Channel, um, and they had this episode where there was like someone like you know messing around inside someone's head, and the headset they were using to to you know access this person's mind was like literally a PlayStation VR headset they just used as a prop. Um, <laughs> cracked up. Um, so, uh, PlayStation VR has a, you know, clearly is, is the wave of the future, 600 years in the future, they're still using them for things, so, I, I, I thought I would share. Um, but then the other news is that HTC actually announced a standalone Vive, they're calling it the Vive Standalone, it's gonna be exclusive to China, uh, it's probably, because it doesn't have to be hooked up to a computer, it's gonna have probably, uh, capabilities similar to, like, a phone VR headset thing, um, I guess they're making a daydream headset, uh, but since Google doesn't operate in China, um, this is this has got to be different software. So this is using like a Qualcomm platform for it, and and will be uh, solely in China and has the Vive brand. And so that was kind of interesting to me. Yeah, I think the Gear VR kind of showed the market that you know uh, an inexpensive standalone headset is it sells really well, especially for entry users. And I think that they're trying to kind of tap into that by just going. This is what you buy. It's all you need to worry about. There's no computer. There's no gaming platform. You just this is a VR headset. And I think that you know that they've they've realized because the 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 um the gear did so extremely well. Like it just sold like crazy. Um, that this is a, a market they had to tap into. And, and well, I think we'll see a lot more of them. They also gave away the gear. I mean, it, like the gear yeah, was but... practically anyone who bought a phone from Samsung got one. Um. But this, I, I, like the gear, I think the the gear VR was technically priced at like a hundred dollars, um, but this has to be more because this is a you know this doesn't require a phone even, so this has got to have the screens and the processor and the storage and everything all built into it. Um, you know, it's got to have its own Wi-Fi. There's a lot more here than than your phone VR headset, which relies on your phone. So, um, I have to figure it'll be a couple hundred dollars maybe, but um, just very interesting. Yeah, no, it'll be good to see, and and I think anything that can get people um, 
a virtual reality experience for a price point that's a little more reasonable is is really a good thing. It isn't actually a really good tool. Um, I think it's it's an expensive experience, but it's a really good one. And I think that if we can get people in at a price point that's a little more approachable from a wider audience, it's going to do a really good thing for the the market because it's only going to help fund you know further VR related stuff. I think that's going to be a good thing overall. All right, so let's go into some game reviews here. Um, a game I mentioned a couple weeks ago was a game called Fortnite, and uh, it's one I've been kind of having my eye on for a while, and I, I kind of wanted to give it a proper rundown just because it is um, a lot more involved than I kind of initially thought it would be, which is a, actually a good thing. Um, but I do kind of want to explain everything and, and maybe talk a bit about some of the, the stuff that they're doing in that game. So um, as I talked about before, Fortnite, it's basically set in this kind of cartoon-style post-apocalyptic world. You are a survivor from this event which made, you know, 98% of the population disappear, and suddenly there's zombies everywhere. I wonder where the people went. Um, but they're called husks. So the husks are the main uh, enemies of this game. And the husks spawn out of what is known as the storm. And the storm is this kind of world-enveloping, uh, you know, storm. It's literally a storm. And these zombies come out of these uh, kind of tornado things. So it's like a, you know zombie nato sort of uh, sci-fi sort of thing going on there um and the idea is that you have to defend by building structures in what they call forts and you find guns and you build traps and you basically fend off the waves of the husks so the way the core gameplay uh, loop works is that for one every mission is procedural um the objective itself um there's like there's like a dozen different kinds of objectives you can do, but the map you spawn onto is procedural. So it's a different map every single time. So they'll come in, and there's like three phases. There's the scavenge phase, while you'll kind of spread out in your group, and you basically go and scavenge as many resources as you can, you know, components, parts, metal, wood, stone, and you kind of gather that all, get as much as you can, try to find rare, you know, stuff. And then you go into phase two. Phase two is you find the objective, um, in some cases, it's like, hey, defend this, you know, um, this thing called the Atlas, which is like a, it, it, it helps break up the storm and kind of secures the area. Um, sometimes it's, uh, you know, hey, this weather balloon's going to land here, so we have to once it lands, we have to extract the data from it. We got to defend it while we do the extraction, that sort of stuff. Pretty basic. Uh, but then that's the build phase, and so you take all the resources you've gathered. You build the fort kind of up around it, and you have to try to, you know, figure out where the husks are going to come from. It's usually a, one of the cardinal directions, and kind of look at the terrain and go, okay, well, they're probably going to kind of funnel up this ramp here, so we'll have to put a bunch of traps on that ramp and, and you know, try to uh, break them up as they come up, and then we'll finish them off with guns. And so you build that up, and then you go into the defense phase. The defense phase is where you have to defend against usually a couple waves of the husks, and they get, you know, more and more intense depending on what level of mission you're doing and you know once you are successful you extract and you get points and experience and all kinds of stuff so pretty straightforward uh the way that the class system works is you got four main classes you've got the outlander and the outlanders are kind of like your key scavengers most of them have uh the ability to sometimes get double loot whenever they loot something which can be really useful if you find something good and it you know it procs you get twice as much which is great uh they move around really quickly that sort of thing there's the soldiers soldiers are really proficient with weapons mostly guns they do a lot of damage um they're kind of really pivotal on that third phase where you're actually defending there's constructors constructors are the constructors they build the base they get bonuses to you know repairing reinforcing that sort of thing they're kind of the ones that are going to 
probably stick at the objective most of the game, most of the match, and kind of build it up while everyone else is bringing them stuff to, you know, build and, and, and put together. And then there's ninjas. Ninjas are melee specialists. They're really quick. They're low health, but they kind of run around. They can, you know, assassinate high priority targets that are, you know, really dangerous, that sort of thing. So you've got these characters. Um, you're going through the thing. Like I said, the objectives can vary. Uh, some of the, the better objectives are the ones where it's like, hey, there's a drone that's going to crash here. Um, you have two minutes to get to it. And so you're scrambling. Like you, you, you usually don't even get your entire team there because you don't have enough time to get across the map because you've spread out to be optimal. And so the thing crashes, and you have to like build up defenses around it as the zombies are pouring in on top of it. That th those are really, really challenging. They give really great rewards, but they're really hard. Uh, that's probably the, the the peak of kind of the gameplay loop that I really like. Um, that's that's really good stuff. Um, so you kind of have to use these classes and kind of, you know, leverage who's going to do what, that sort of thing, and try to, you know, complete these objectives and these side objectives. So the core gameplay loop, actually really fun. Um, I normally turn away from uh, procedural generated stuff because you end up with, like, No Man's Sky where, yeah, it's procedural, but it doesn't matter because it doesn't change the gameplay. Uh, in this case, it really does, though, because so much is a random variable, like... The map is always different, where the objective spawns is always different, and it can depend on how you're going to defend. Like, you may get an atlas in the middle of a soccer field, and it's just flat all around you, so you don't really have terrain to work with. Or you might get it, like, on the top of, like, a hill where there's only one way up, and, you know, the way you build your defenses is going to actually vary quite a bit. So that keeps it fresh. It's a little more interesting. Um, it changes it up. So that core loop is, is really, really good. That's probably the strongest part of the game. Now... The way loot works, and this kind of starts getting into some of the issues um, that the game might face. So you've got different classes, and there's subclasses in each of those, and there's different specialties, and that's fine. Same with weapons. There's different kinds of weapons. There's like subversions of like, you know, there's like magnum revolvers, but there's like three different kinds you can get. And then there's rarity within each of those. And you can level up each um, weapon, you know, kind of within its own little rarity. And then, you know, there's, there's differences in power level. Higher rarity offers better power, that sort of thing. Um, that's pretty straightforward. The only thing is that this game is intended to be a free-to-play game. It's currently in early access. If you want to gain access to the game, it's $40 to get in. They give you, like, a founder's pack full of all kinds of stuff that you would normally buy. So in terms of value, you're, you're actually getting something out of it. But keep in mind that when you do check this one out, it is meant to be a free-to-play game. So just keep that in mind. The way that you get these items is you can find weapons out in the field, just in boxes or whatever, um, at various levels of power and rarity. Um, but they're usually like half-broken. Everything's got durability on it. So they're, they're nice, but you know the, you, you're not going to use them for very long. So the key is getting schematics. And schematics are the ability to take components, craft them together, and make weapons. And the schematics are not consumed. So once you get like a schematic for a gun, you can make as many of that gun as you want as long as you have the parts to make it. So getting schematics is, is absolutely key. You can get schematics from mission rewards sometimes. Um, you usually don't find them out in the field, but you get them from rewards. But the primary point of getting schematics is from basically loot pinatas or loot crates. And you've seen this done before in, you know, other games like Overwatch, this sort of thing. But in this case, because your schematics go up in rarity and you need higher rarity to get the power you need to do high-level missions, in a sense, you're kind of forced to get these loot pinatas in order to get the better stuff so you can excel in the higher-level difficulties. Now, I am still in the first world. There's currently four worlds. 
I feel that the rate at which we are getting loot pinatas for free um, is pretty high. It, it, it feels pretty good. I don't feel like I am struggling to get schematics to level up to, to excel in what I'm doing. So it feels good right now. And I don't know if that's because they're giving us enough loot pinatas that it just keeps up well, or if the core gameplay loop is just really, really good and I just don't care if you know it's a little grindy because the grind is fun. Um, so that's kind of for each person to decide for themselves. Uh, what I am concerned about is that uh, in a lot of these free-to-play games, you kind of have this trend where in the beginning, it's real nice. It lets you progress easily. They give you lots of premium currency for free. They give you lots of loot crates for free. Um, and so you feel like, yeah, okay, I don't, I don't have to spend money on this. I'm good. And then once you kind of get like past like a breaking point, it starts to really, really drastically slow down. And it becomes more and more apparent that you really are encouraged to spend money to actually progress. I haven't felt that yet. Um, I am kind of approaching that end of the first world going on to world two, which might be the breaking point. It might not be. Um, but that is probably a concern that a lot of people have when they're looking at this kind of model, because like I said, getting heroes are kind of the same way. You have to get them from loot crates. Um, there's different rarities of heroes. You level them up different rarities. The better ones get better perks, that sort of thing. There's some nuances with that I won't get into because it's a little complicated, but you know, that, that is a valid concern. And, and I haven't felt the negative of that yet. I don't know if it will happen or not, but that is something I'm keeping an eye out for as I kind of move up through the progression of the game. And the good thing is, is that they've been very receptive. This is Epic Games. Um, they do they, they they make the Unreal, the Unreal Engine. Um, this is running off Unreal Four, obviously. They did Paragon. These guys do pretty good stuff. And they kind of released a dev blog a couple days ago, kind of giving some tips for new players on how to play. It's really good. You should read it if you do play this game. Uh, but they also mentioned like, hey, we're taking feedback. This is early access. We're still tweaking stuff. Um, you know, the game is far from finished, but you know, we appreciate you coming in here and giving us feedback. The biggest point of feedback we're getting right now is that the loot progression feels a little weird. They said that we think we probably have to increase the drop rate of these loot pinatas to help progress that better. So they seem receptive to that feedback, um, which is good. Uh, I'm not sure where that actually stands. Like I said, I'm not you know to the end of the game yet, but you know so far it's feeling pretty good. But if it does slow down, it might get a little bit better if they're taking feedback on this. So that is something to consider if you are kind of feeling. Uh, a bit anxious about the kind of free-to-play model. Um, but yeah, so so things that I, I do really like about the game, um, like I said, the core loop is really, really good. Um, the difficulty ramps up really well. It starts you off nice and easy, but I feel like it's it's increasing the difficulty at a pace where I'm not bored and I'm not shocked at like a difficulty spike. So the, the, the increase of how they ramp you up is, is quite good. Um, the rewards are a pretty good, pretty good cycle. I feel like, um, I get rewarded on a pretty good loop where it's like, if you do a mission, mission takes like 30, 45 minutes, something like that, depending on what you're doing. Um, and then depending on how well you do, you get, you know, various tiers of rewards and the stuff that you get is pretty solid. Daily logins are, are really nice. Um, you know, they just give you items and weapons and, and schematics and, and loot pinatas, which are all, it's all great. It feels rewarding. It's, that's, it's kind of a... A hard thing to put a number on, but the the feel of the game is pretty good in that regard. Um, so it's not it's not too grindy, at least for what I've played so far. Uh, kind of the power fantasy we talked a bit about this last week with a PVE game. This is a purely PVE game, but the characters, as you level them up, they get some really kind of awesome bonuses that synergize really well with each other. So you get a good team composition, and you you really just kick ass. It feels good. Um, it's just it's a good 
good feeling. It makes you feel like you're actually strong in the world. Even if it's challenging, you still feel like you're 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 really potent. Um, the game is pretty funny. Uh, the actress who plays one of the main um, little robot announcer characters is actually the same voice actress who plays Tiny Tina in Borderlands 2. Um, so if you played that game, you understand the style of humor. It's very much in line with that. So that's really good stuff. Uh, and the game runs actually pretty well. Um, I, I've got a Intel Core i5-3570. I've got a NVIDIA GeForce GTX 960 and 16GB of RAM. Frame rate's very, very smooth. Feels really good. Um, I haven't measured what the actual frame rate is, but it is pretty solid. Uh, there is some dropping when like large groups of enemies spawn, but it goes away after a second. So, you know, it, it's probably just optimization issues that they're working on, but overall, the game runs really quite well. So, good stuff there. Uh, stuff that I dislike... Um, the UI is workable, but it's not intuitive. I struggle with it quite a bit, and I'm playing on PC. I think it's probably absolute hell trying to play this game on console, because the way the UI is set up, if it's anywhere the same, you're going to really struggle on console with this one, I think. Obviously, that's something that they can improve during early access period. It's something they absolutely should improve. Um, you can tell they're still trying to iron some of this stuff out, but just bear in mind that if you pick up the game on console, you're, you you're probably going to struggle with the UI a bit. So that's one thing I don't like. Um, there's some other meta systems involving like collecting survivors and putting them in squads and getting them to match up certain perks to get bonuses, which is really how you increase the strength of your character. Um, it's a very deep and interesting system, not explained terribly well. Um, they, they, they give you a tutorial on it, but they don't really dive into the, the little details you have to know to really optimize. So... Keep in mind, you'll probably have to work a bit to kind of figure this all out and, and get your head around what's going on with that. Um, they could explain that a bit better, uh, but it's a good system, just it's not explained well. I had to kind of figure it out over a couple days to kind of know what the hell I was doing. Um, and yeah, my, my concern with the grind is it's so far it feels good. I'm afraid that it won't feel good. Uh, hopefully that if it does kind of turn sour, they, they do find ways to... Um, you know, improve that and, and make it better. But, you know, again, I have to stress to people that I don't normally do early access. And I don't normally like free-to-play games with a loot mechanic, um, so I'm really hyper-critical of these sort of things, but this one feels pretty good so far. But do keep in mind that it is a free-to-play game and that the core progression mechanic is largely based around getting better drops out of these, these loot pinatas. There is a, a character leveling system with skill points and that sort of thing, but to get better weapons, to get better heroes, which will probably become more critical later in the game, you're going to have to rely on these kind of RNG drops. So that might be problematic. I don't know. I'll let you guys know. But, you know, overall... I really, really like the game. It's everything I hoped it would be. It's got a good you know, gameplay loop. It's got a lot of mix of you know good like kind of Borderlands looting stuff, um, Orcs Must Die traps, um, just base building. It's a lot of fun. So I do highly suggest you check it out if you are interested in those sort of things. Just keep in mind that there are some caveats and that it is early access. So this isn't the end product. Um, but I do want people to understand what they're getting into if they do decide to buy into this one. And again, it's $40 for the base pack just to get in. That's the one I purchased. There's also like a 60 a 90 and like a $120 version. If you just get the $40 version and you decide, hey, this game's great, I love it, um, you can upgrade to the higher level ones and they'll just, you know, it's whatever the difference is for what you paid. So if you 
get the $40 one and you say, hey, I want to upgrade it to 60, it's only going to cost you 20 bucks. So don't feel like you have to kind of go all in right away. You can kind of go into the lowest tier and then upgrade later if you want to. So just something to keep in mind. But uh, yeah, really solid game. Really solid um, game, guys. I, I really enjoy it. I'm going to get some gameplay video of it um, pretty soon here. Uh, just to kind of show you what it's all about, but uh, it is a lot of fun, and uh, I do suggest that you play with friends. Um, it's definitely uh, built around playing with a group of four. Um, there is a matchmaking service I have not tried yet because I've already got a group of four, but playing solo is doable, but not what the game is meant to be, so keep that in mind also if you decide to jump on this one. So yeah, that was Fortnite. Um, Good stuff. Now, I know that Jay did try out a game himself that he was going to review, so I'm going to hand this over to Jay, and he's going to tell us a bit about Pyre. Okie dokie. Hey, real quick, Pokey. Uh, yeah. I was sitting here kind of reviewing reviewing my notes as you were talking about uh, Fortnite. So you bought just a basic entry level, right? The $40? That's correct. So how, how big is the jump in what you get in-game in some of those higher tiers? I, I know you said it comes with you know like a ton of in-game in-game material resources and, you know, I, I assume in-game currency, things like that. But what, like, uh, what's the value scale uh, from the $40 base entry up to, you know, kind of that 90 or $100 figure you're, you're talking about? So the one thing to keep in mind is that um, with the 90 and the 120 or 150, I forget what it was, those versions come with uh, a friend key that gives, you can give the key to a friend and they get the $40 version with that key. Oh, so, okay, okay. So keep keep that in mind that when you get those higher tiered ones, like the top tier one, the $150 one, it comes with two friend keys. So that's like an $80 value right there. So that actually brings the price down quite a bit if you look at it like that, if you want to sell the key to your buddy. Um, the $90 one's the same deal. I think it comes with uh, your key and then your friend's key and then the extra stuff. So that is one thing to consider that you do get friend keys with the higher tiered ones. Um, as for the in-game stuff, uh, you do get some things that you can't get otherwise um, that are like increased schematic inventory space. Like you get like a uh, base game, you get like 200 with the $60, you get like 250 and with the higher tiers, you get like 300. Um, that's not a huge deal. That's a nice quality of life, but it's not like necessary, um, in my opinion. What they will start you off with is some stuff that's like the founder's weapons, and the founder's weapons are kind of like a upgraded version of their equivalent. And you can get those during the first month of early access because they're kind of running this founders event where you accumulate founders coins to open founders pinatas, and they will contain these founders weapons. So you can hmm. get them. Um, through normal play, but you're guaranteed them if you get kind of the higher tiered packs. Okay. All right. And and there's some other stuff. It's it's I don't feel like I'm crippled by not having the higher tiered ones. They're more of like a it's nice to have. Um, but like I said, if you start off early and you get in on it pretty soon, you can get a lot of those things through this event um, rather than you know having to buy into it. If you wait you know three months, you might have to get that higher pack to get access to some of that stuff. Okay. No, I mean yeah, that that makes sense to me. Any other and... questions, guys? Uh, I got one last one. When is it going full free to play? Was that? I was a little confused by that. Okay, it's 2018. No exact date, but it is it is probably about a year a year plus off. Okay, all right, I got you. All right, so uh, Jake, you want to talk about Pyre then? Sure. So uh, I, this week, I, I this is kind of a spur of the moment thing. Uh, I I've kind of been nosing around, and I bumped into some reviews of a of a game that I had been seeing on the play like as coming soon on PS4. Uh, called Pyre, and I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of following game studios because 
once you once you find like game studios that, that build things that um you know, generally they tend if you find a game that's really high quality or it really really speaks to you it often if you keep going back to the well with uh that same studio you're going to have similar or at least uh comparable results in other games that they make so there's a, a couple games called bastion and transistor which you can find on steam for not a whole lot right now uh transistor was their latest one uh by a group called Supergiant games and Supergiant just makes has made phenomenal stuff uh and, and i highly recommend you check them check them out they've only got three games out uh, they've been at it for a little while now. Uh, so Bastion came first, uh, Transistor, and then now Pyre. Well, they, you know, a lot of game studios have like really unique, like the ones that set themselves apart have something unique about them. So kind of diving right in. Uh, if you're familiar with Supergiant games at all, uh, this definitely is, uh, definitely fits that mold. It uh, So Pyre is a very unique sort of game. It is a very thick immersive rpg slash fantasy sports game and i will admit on the surface i was very skeptical about this uh, but i kept hearing a lot of good things about it so i downloaded it and and i've I've put in probably about 15 hours into it so far so here's the basic premise there's a there's a world called or a place called the commonwealth which is so far at least in my playthrough not seen but it is sort you know like you know, the normal earth but it's think think very fantasy type realm with a lot of different races and it's there's some fairly unique ones um uh, and they're all drawn in a, in a very cartoonish style but it's really really well done um so there's there's like a dog race called the cur there's a uh, effectively a worm race called the worms spelled with a y they look effectively like if you crossed a minion with a sperm that's exactly what it looks what they look like they're very comical um how they act and, and and look by the way and then there's like like swamp witches there's you know big sort of underworld demon looking guys all kind of stuff you know these bird bird creatures you know like half bird half ladies you know you know sort of a harpy kind of thing so there's all these different races and all this stuff well when you are a criminal or whatever you get cat you can be exiled into this place called the down under um and that's effectively where pretty much all the game happens. So long story short, you wake up, you're picked up by uh, these three roving companions who are out looking for, basically looking for newbies. And uh, there is this thing called the right, which is effectively the game. That's the fights, quote unquote, or that's the game that you play, the sports game. I'll get into that in a second. So this whole like sort of uh, re- weird realm that you're in is effectively like a limbo or like, I mean, it's kind of like the phantom zone. You literally just like throw your, all your undesirables and the, and, and you find this out through the characters that what the range of undesirable is, is very broad. So it could be literally criminals, uh, it could be prisoners of war. Uh, it could be uh, one guy volunteered to, to go. One of your characters volunteers to, to go there because he believed he was dishonored in a fight, even though he really wasn't. There was no crime charged against him. And you find this out through exposition. Um, and interestingly enough, you know, you get like your character is actually sent there because you can read because reading is not allowed in the Commonwealth. So there's a lot of fascinating things about there. There's one character who's, uh, you know, effectively autistic and is sent to she's considered undesirable. So she's sent to the Commonwealth and she eventually becomes part of your party and you kind of have to look after her. So it, it is 
all that is going on and, and effectively you could build a pretty good RPG out of this. And you're basically maneuvering your way around the map, you know, trying to, you know, trying to find this benefactor that is, you know, basically funding your ability to move around, you know, via these three people that, that, uh, find you. And, uh, you run into these things, you get introduced to these things called rights. That this is this is basically the fight that you would have in any other fantasy RPG. So the the best way to describe it is basically uh, some form of soccer slash rugby with a lot of uh, like magical elements to it. Uh, it. It's like three on three. It is very difficult to describe. Uh, so I would recommend if you have any interest in a game like this, check out the gameplay videos. But uh, the variety of characters you have and how they level up and move the, you know, the very deep RPG aspects to it has a, a fairly, it's a fairly simple game concept, but a tremendous amount of variation to it uh, all the way from, you know, kind of your classic, you know, big characters move slow and they're real strong, you know, medium characters are kind of medium and everything. And then little characters, they're not real strong, but they're super fast. There's that basic thing that you go through about like kind of the first chapter of the game. Uh, and then it wildly changes uh, as the different, as other races come on board and other abilities start to level up, it, it becomes a, a fairly, you know, intense game. So here's the interesting twist to it. So it, imagine you're doing kind of your standard RPG game, but you, you basically show up and do these uh, like rights or these sort of scripted battles uh, or, you know, sports fights basically. Uh, to move on, and you're, it's sort of a big tournament. Well, the when you get to the final final stage of that season or that chapter, if you will, if you win, your team can send somebody back to the Commonwealth. You, they can leave Purgatory effectively, and you have to choose who you send. So you go through this scenario of you have a stable of people that you that the game like Supergiant does a great job of making you very connected to these characters. The writing is superb. It, it's all the way from comedic writing, uh, some tongue-in-cheek humor, to some very emotional, uh, some su surprisingly emotional engagements you have with bas basically characters who speak gibberish. You know, they speak like Sims gibberish, and you're just reading the text, and you're watching how the expression on these characters chase, you know, the faces change when they're talking to you. They do a phenomenal job of this. So the visuals and how they write really connects you to the characters. So you build, you spend a lot of time uh, building these guys up, and then you kind of get into these choices. And everything you do matters. Like literally, it's like literally every team you win to and every team you lose to remembers. Everything you do with a character remembers. Uh, some characters don't mix well with others. They like, I, I, I will not play as well if you put me on the field with this other person because we hate each other, uh, or they'll amp it up because like one character's sisters on the other team and they really hate each other and they go at it. So there's all of these, these just intricate little variations that are, that are associated with it. that seem fairly simple. So you go through this process and you have to send one of these characters away that you spend a lot of time building up over the course of this. You, you determine that there's another level to this. It's not as simple as adventure around, get into some basically pick up soccer slash football games with, with magic, magic abilities, it's, uh, there's a bigger, bigger thing going on. So your benefactor is basically, uh, been recruiting people on, onto your team over the years. And as you win and you send people back, he's basically trying to plot send enough people back that he can have a revolt in the Commonwealth to end the system where they 
continue to exile people to the down under. So I just rattled off about five things that on their own could probably be standalone games. So I, I don't know how they've made this all mesh together, but it works incredibly well. I, I was, uh, you know, like I said, I was very skeptical about this game at first, but the best $20 I've spent on a video game, like in many, 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 many months, maybe years. So technically the game visually, uh, it is a really crisp kind of unique, vibrant cartoon style uh, animation. Really, really well done. Pops really good on the PS4, and the, the stuff I've seen from PC looks you know, as good or better, as you can imagine. The audio is phenomenal. So, like I said, the, the characters speak gibberish, but even the tone in which they're speaking is well-matched. Like, the, the tone of the gibberish is well-matched to the words you're reading with the facial expressions. Overlaid on top of that is this phenomenal score uh it's a it's a uh it's a cut it's a unique score uh, soundtrack for the uh for the game which you can actually buy separately on steam uh and it is it's pretty it's like a lot of stringed instruments and stuff like that so if you've seen baby driver how they use music as drivers of the scenes or as like stage setters um this is not obviously quite that level but every single character in the game you know, the, the ones in your party, the ones outside of your party, every every scenario has unique music associated to it that is that speaks a lot about the character like it, it's or, or what's going on at the time. And then there's these really, really beautiful um, acoustic uh, acoustic, you know, pieces with, with some vocals that are at these key points in the game. Did you drop off for you guys, too? No, I'm still. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, no, you've been, you've been gone for like you, you were gone for like a minute. Oh, that's awesome. Well, not, not like a minute, like like twenty seconds. Okay, uh, so long story short, you know, graphics and sound are technically phenomenal. Uh, the soundtrack really, really bomber. Um, the gameplay of the actual sports game is is really kind of cool because it'll take you a long time to master it. It seems very simple. Uh, but it can it grows in complexity in a very very um, significant curve as you go into the game. Now the cool part about this is the game is very forgiving up front in the first like chapter, which gets you, you know, probably you know probably five six hours of gameplay. That it, it's a very generous learning curve as you learn the systems of the game, and then it, it starts to significantly increase in difficulty level as you get into the rights or the or the you know the games if you will. So from that aspect, it, it's really, really surprising. Uh, the writing is, is really, really good. Uh, it's really well balanced. I have not really seen anything in it that would really snag me up as a, hey, I, I, just, I just don't enjoy this and don't want to play it. The, play, the replayability, I think, is going to be really, really high because you can change a lot of things. And one of the kind of unique things about this is that winning and losing does not stop your story. So as you play through... You can lose mat. You lose matches, and that's fine. Your it will adjust your outcome of the story as you go. So in theory, if you keep winning, you can send enough people back and do some things on the on the other side. But if you don't, you still in the you still in the game, but you get a different outcome. And there's a lot of variations in there uh, in terms of who you sent back. Well, you know what interactions you had with them what uh what characters that you outside of your party you interacted with there's a ton of different variables in there 
So replayability looks really, really solid on this thing. Um, I, you know, general statement, I would bro- I'd probably say for me, it's, it's an easy nine out of 10. Uh, the thing that will probably prevent people from wanting to play it is just getting into it. Uh, really understanding like, Hey, do I like, what is an RPG slash fantasy sports game? Again, very skeptical, skeptical going in, but it is, um, it's pretty, it, it will grab you pretty quick. Like the writing alone, if you act, and you actually read the writing, don't just like button click through it is exceptional. And it keeps the pace of the game going in a way where it doesn't feel like you're getting walls of text and all this other kind of stuff. Uh, the last thing I'll kind of say is like uh, Supergiant does a really good job of world building. Like I mean, they do a phenomenal job of it in all of their games. And this one, they've really, really done a, a great job. So it is an, a really immersive world, very, very deep in terms of lore and all these different things going on. Um, but the way they introduce it to you is, uh, you know, very, very precise. And they've got kind of a cool function. It's almost like a Wikipedia function on it. So when you're getting exposition through text, they'll ju- you'll just have highlighted red words. And if you ma- and if you let you like, uh, you know, move your cursor, your like your left thumbstick cursor over the word, it'll just pop up like a little tooltip bubble that tells you, oh, well, th- this means this or this guy is this guy. So it's almost like an embedded Wikipedia function as you're going through it. So you don't have to go through walls of text. It's literally you eat, you know, it's consumed as you go. So uh, again, I, I think outside of the very unusual sort of style of game it is, uh, it, which would probably slow some people, you know, in, in terms of getting into it, this is probably one of the better games that I've played in a very long time. Totally surprised by it. Didn't see it coming. Had no idea what the game was. I mean, I've played Transistor, which which I enjoyed quite a bit. It's kind of a, a roguelike sort of uh, cyberpunk game. Pretty solid. Uh, picked it up on Steam. And then I, like I said, some guys were like, hey, Supergiant put out Pyre. I like Supergiant, so I hopped onto this. Totally, totally worth the 20 bucks. Um, and if you want to shell out another 10 on steam, you can get the soundtrack, which, you know, this is probably one of the, the two or three video game soundtracks I would say is probably worth it that I've listened to you know, in recent memory. Uh, so that would be my general review out of Pyre. I give it, you know, about a nine out of 10. Uh, and, and if you're looking for something a little different, a little unusual, but incredibly engaging on a lot of different fronts, this is probably it. Yeah, I'm looking at the gameplay here, and it's it's very unique. I mean, this is it's not turn based, right? It's, no, it's, it's actually it's, okay. It's actually the the games themselves when they heat up, they you'll get like you know sweaty palm. You know, it's pretty intense. No, it looks good, man. It's it's in like the transistor is really solid. The studio does a lot of really good, solid gameplay with with really good world building and, and artistic flair to it. So it looks very very solid. So I I have no doubt that it's as good as you say it is. All right, guys. So that was some some pretty good reviews there of different games. We'll we'll continue to try to keep moving along and then bring you some some updates on on those as well as others moving in the future. Um, we we kind of have skipped this last few weeks because we've been reviewing other stuff. But as you're probably aware, uh, Bait and I tend to do kind of a back and forth on PS Plus to Xbox Gold games that come out um, free for those subscribers every month. Uh, so it is the beginning of the month. We do have new games that were announced. So I'm going to go over the PS uh, Plus ones, and then they will go over the Xbox Gold ones. So for the month of August, we have Just Cause 3 uh, for PS4. We also have Assassin's Creed Freedom Cry, which I hear is actually a DLC for Assassin's Creed 4 Black Flag that was eventually turned into a standalone game. That kind of seems interesting. Uh, and for PS3, there's Super Motherload and Snakeball. 
And then for PS Vita, there's Downwell, which is also PS4 cross-buy. So that means if you, you know, you pick that one up, it will work on both PS4 and the PS Vita. So that's kind of cool. And level 22 for PS Vita. All right, Bate, you there, man? Yeah, dude. All right, let's let's do the Xbox Ones. All righty. So for Xbox One games, uh, you're going to get uh, Slime Rancher and Trials Fusion. Uh, I'm actually not sure what Slime Rancher is, but, uh, but Trials Fusion is... Uh, I believe it came out of the 360 originally. Um, Trials is a game, yeah, it's because Trials Evolution came out in 360. So it's a, it's one of those games where uh, I'm going to call them course runners. So people will make a map, and then uh, you take your little dude on your motorcycle and you you run the course uh, and, and try to get the fastest time, uh, especially with bullets down. So it's supposed to be a lot of fun. Um, a lot of people really liked uh, Fusion, and then uh evolution i think that the first one was uh and that's so that's for your xbox one for your xbox 360 you're gonna get uh bayonetta and uh red faction armageddon all right sounds pretty good man uh so yeah we'll, we'll kind of go back and forth i think it's i think it's actually my turn this coming week so i'll i'll probably do the assassin's creed one and give my thoughts on that one but uh we'll we'll get back to kind of doing that every week and, and kind of going back and forth with the free games you played uh, four right i have not played four actually okay. But I'll probably will I be confused with the DLC? I'm trying to remember. No, I, I mean so. if it's standalone, I imagine that it's it's kind of structured that you could get away with not playing the main game. I believe so. I think this one, the the protagonist, yeah, yeah. So the protagonist in this one ends up being your first mate um, in four, and this is a, it's either a prequel or it's um, or it's a like a thing after. I think it's after. I double check on that though. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, check you, it out. You should, you should have no problem uh, with the story. Awesome. So we'll probably do that next week. I'll, I'll give Assassin's Creed Freedom Cry a shot and let you guys know what I think. Uh, but now moving along, we've we've got a thing that we also do every so often called you know the BBC, which is Bates Bitching Corner. But this week we're going to start off with uh, the ZBC, I guess, which is Zell's Mission Corner, where he's going to tell us a bit about what Walmart did to him and why he hates them. Um, I actually, I, I would rather Walmart than Amazon. But, um, yeah, so last week I triumphantly said that I had secured my uh, SNES Classic pre-order at Walmart. Liar! And, um, and uh, Walmart screwed up. They, they posted it accidentally, and they canceled everybody's pre-order, said, we're sorry, order it later. At some non, you know, non-announced time, so you know it's just it's just gone. It's canceled. I was like, I, I they even charged my credit card and everything, so I'm like, I think I got my order in, you know, nice and safe. But uh, no, they canceled everybody's. You you knew it couldn't be that easy to get one of these I, I classic it, SNES things. You're like, oh, I got it. I'm like, I, I don't know. I, I get this feeling that you're gonna get screwed somehow. I haven't decided how it is, but I, I just I feel it coming. And, and there it's you go. it's obligatory. If if it if it if it wasn't entirely purchased by scalpers, then uh, something else will happen to cancel your order. Jeez. All right. So that's that's Zell's bitching corner. Now, bait. You're up, buddy. Tell us about your 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 venting for today. All right. So let's see. Sometime in the past week, I think it might have been early on Monday. I think. Sitting here at my computer, you know, shit, uh, shooting the shit in the uh, Dust Vets Discord, and I gotta get ready to go somewhere. And I gotta put my goddamn shoes on. Some idiot over at Clark's, great shoes by the way, except for this one there, decided that it would be really cool to put leather shoelaces on your shoes. 
which makes them, as I learned, incredibly fucking hard to tie. And when you do get them tied, uh, they um, they don't stay together. They don't stay tied. Fuck that guy who ever thought that uh, leather shoelaces were a good idea because they're not stick with cloth. So, and then the last one, I got to great clips today to get my hair cut. And this dude is sitting in the thing. He's sitting there. He's just, he's checked in and whatnot. And I go and I check in. And then this woman comes in with her two kids, right? And she goes and she says, oh, no, I'm with him. Obviously uh, talking about the other guy. And so I get line skipped. It's been a fuck off. So that's that. All right. That's out of the way. Hashtag first world problems. <laughs> first world right. problems. All right. Um, I think we're probably good on time, guys. So let's go into some shout outs here. Zell. That was buddy. intended to be my shout out. That was your thing. shout out. Okay. I had well, I had put well, shout out. I I specified that it was my shout out, okay. and then it got renamed. Okay. So okay. I, I apologize. I gave my shout out. Okay. But do you have a different shout out, or are you good with that? Oh, one? actually, I do. Um, every now and then, uh, now and again, I like to read, and so somebody, a couple of friends, actually recommended the book to be called uh, "Infinite Jest" by uh, David Foster Wallace, and supposedly the book is. Bleak is all get out. I'm kind of finding that uh, right now. Um, I think I'm like 30 pages in, but I'm really liking it so far. And I've got a long road ahead until the end of the book. Um, but I definitely will uh, will keep reading. I might uh, provide an update in like a month when I'm further in. So, yep, that's my shout out. All right, sounds good. All right, Jay, you're up. Uh, let's see. Shout outs for the week. Uh, I would like to give give up a shout out to Quest Adventures up in uh, Ocoee, Tennessee. So we took a bunch of guys up there and did some uh, outdoor stuff up there. Really, really good uh, good group of folks. So if you ever want to go do some uh, overland, like over like some hiking over some mountains uh, and some whitewater rafting and stuff like that, uh, highly recommend you go see Quest Adventures up in Ocoee, Tennessee. Uh, this is not a paid announcement, but it is uh, simply a good review based on really, really great customer service. Uh, we had some awesome guides when we were up there doing some work. Uh, really, really cool. So highly recommended. All right. Sounds good. And uh, for me, probably generic, I'm going to give my shout out to Epic Games for putting together Fortnite. I had really high expectations coming into this game, and they pretty much met all of them, which is a pretty high order. I uh, I don't get my hopes up like that usually, but this one I, I really really wanted it to be good, and it, it's it's a really solid experience. I'm really enjoying it, so I'm, I'm looking forward to playing more of that. And shout out to those guys for putting together a, a really solid game, even for Obi Access. It's really really good. So good stuff. Uh, but yeah, if you anyone out there wants to be on the show, if you want to you know suggest a topic for the show, a game to play, that sort of thing, do let us know. Head over to biomass.net or biomass.com. You can click on the contact us section and get access to all the stuff you got to do to get a hold of us and uh, let us know we're more than happy to try to accommodate you with that being said guys please get out there have a safe night have a good week and uh, play some games so we'll catch you later